Thanks for checking out this message from Radiant Life Church. Grab your Bible, a pad of paper, and a pen. Let's dive in. I'm Ryan. I'm our lead pastor here at Radiant Life. And, uh, you know, I love just how the Spirit moves because we didn't do that at the 9 o'clock service. Uh, just to let you know. Like, the team pursues excellence, but the team in the midst of pursuing excellence pursues the Spirit of God at the same time. And you can have both. And sometimes the Spirit does one thing in the service and another thing, and uh, that's what happened there, is that the Spirit just led the team a little further. Uh, if you didn't notice, that's when I came up, because I thought we were going to pray into the message, and the team kept going, which I'm like, yeah, right? So I appreciate our worship team that it listens to the Spirit as they lead us in worship. So thank you, team, uh, for that. I want to take a moment and look in the camera and welcome all those watching online. Thanks for being here today. And we are excited as a church body to enter into our teaching series that we'll be wrestling with together over the next five weeks titled Controversial Jesus. Subtitle, We Should Talk. Now, I need to give a couple disclaimers as we go into this series. Today, I need to set groundwork and invite us into the controversy that's there. Um, so we're going to set groundwork today. I know for some of you, you think we're going to talk about certain topics that are in our cultural moments. Because cultural moments right now are shaping and discipling us, whether we realize it or not. And we will definitely talk about many of those topics. And those topics are probably going to cause you or many of us to begin to squirm in our seats. Where we may want to like we feel maybe uncomfortable and want to run out of this room. I'm going to call us into something deeper together. Brother, sister in Christ, can we wrestle together? Our world says, if you disagree with me, there is hatred in your heart. That is not true for those of us who follow Jesus Christ. So help us and allow us God, to love each other as brothers or sisters in Christ through this series. Even as maybe perhaps you disagree with the word of God on some topics, may you still sit in your seat and not run out of here too quick. May you sit so you and I can have just a healthy conversation. This is what I love about our life groups. Some of our life groups are going to be message-based. And you just need to get in that so you can have healthy conversations. May we encounter healthy disagreement. Amen? And because what I bring, I want you to know I've wrestled with it as well. I wish sometimes when I get into God's word that it's easier than what it is. I do wish it. But ultimately, at the end of the day, God's word is our authority and I submit my opinions to the word of God. And I wrestle with it. Also, disclaimer in this series, there's probably going to be times of certain topics you and I are discussing that I'm going to ask you for like 20 minutes, don't say amen. And here's why. Because perhaps the topic you and I are in discussion over is really affecting a person around you. And an amen at that time is not comforting to that brother or sister in Christ. And I'm going to guide us in those moments. And I'll, I'll let you know, like, hey, for the next 20 minutes, just sit back and hear the word of God with no amen. However, week one today, amen the 
craziness out of this message, okay? <laughs> you are allowed to do that, all right? Um, I always love to say, I want our church in Southwest Michigan to become a church that's like the South, where they get into the word and they amen, they glory and hallelujah. And remember, when you do that, I preach better, okay? Uh, so if you got your Bible, if you have a tablet, uh, you want to turn to Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 38. I've titled this message, Invite Controversy. This is where we're going to be today. And I know some of us, we just did a whole summer long series in the gospel according to Mark. And you're like, Pastor Ryan, you brought us there again. Yes, I did. Just for today, because we need to look at Jesus. And Jesus says something powerful in this passage right here to set us up for the entire series. Now, I want to throw one more disclaimer at you. I'm going to be drinking a lot of coffee today. Um, on top of that, note takers, I'm going to go so quick through some of these slides that there's no way you can write everything down. So here's my encouragement this series. Take a picture, okay? Take a picture of it. And then what you do is find the way to get that into your notes. And if you missed it, because I already had our nine o'clock service, we had a lot of people like, I put a slide up and I went to the next one. And they're like, oh, I missed it. It's not there. Uh, email us, we'll try to get you the slide in some way, shape or form. Sound good? Okay, good. Six of you said sound good. Those are, those are my six note takers in the room this morning. Online, I hope you're taking notes. All right. Hey, we get into the word, so the? So the word gets into us. Let's read this together. Mark 8, verse 34. Calling the crowd along with his disciples, referring to Jesus, Jesus said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... The son of man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. This is the word of God. Let's pray together. Father God, would you help those words that you spoke marinate in our hearts. May it marinate in our minds. May we receive what you have for us today. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. The key thing I've realized as we look into cultural moments today is that our cultural shifts that we are experiencing today is at an accelerated pace than we've ever seen in history. It is moving at us in all the changes at the fastest pace ever. And here as you step back and you look at society and our culture today, you look at the world, I think there's a call to the church. There's a call even deeper than the church. There's a call to you, brother, you, sister in Christ. The call is we need to get the person of Jesus back into our world. 
We need to get Jesus back into our world. And this happens in one or two ways. We are all being discipled by one of two things. We're either being discipled by the world or we're being discipled by the word of God. One of those two things is happening, whether you realize it or not. I want to show you quickly and invite you into the controversy of Jesus's life in the first century world under the Jewish culture of Israel. Think about this. Jesus was birthed to an unwed teenager mother that Joseph could have divorced. They were wed legally, technically. They just haven't consummated their marriage. But Joseph could have divorced his wife. It could have happened. Jesus was birthed into that scenario, which was controversial. Oh, also, is that Jesus' family for a time was actually political refugees. If you think about it, King Herod was ruling and put a notion out there, a document stating that all the babies to and under shall be killed. What did Mary and Joseph and Jesus do? They got up and they fled to Egypt under political persecution for safety for a few years before they traveled back into their homeland. Have you ever thought that your savior was a political refugee? That should shape our theology and doctrine for immigration into this country, by the way. I'm not going to lay out the whole thing, but please hear me. Just saying build a wall doesn't fix things. There's right ways to enter into countries, absolutely. But the Bible's very clear that we are to welcome the foreigner into the land. How do we do it with 100 refugees seeking asylum in America, yet we're afraid of the one criminal that's with them? What do we do with the 99? Just allow that to just settle into your heart and wrestle with that. Jesus caused controversy with his message and how he lived and taught people. It was so countercultural at the time. His death and resurrection brought controversy. This was an innocent man tried illegally that died on the cross, was buried and resurrected three days later. It caused controversy. Listen, to talk about Jesus is to invite controversy. There was, he, instead of a kingdom that wasn't instituted by violent political overthrow, which the Jewish people wanted from Rome. Roman government had its own thumb of oppression on them. Instead, how did Jesus define this kingdom? By self-sacrifice and love and holiness, forgiveness and grace. It was controversial. It was completely opposite of what they were hoping for. The claims to be the son of God. The claims that I am the way and the truth and the life brought controversy. That only through Jesus can you come to the Father. What? He says, I'm going to usher in a new covenant. My blood is the new covenant that is the forgiveness of all sins. Yes, there's the Old Testament. That's the Old Covenant, the Mosaic law and everything. I am the impersonation of the entire new covenant. Look to me. And then he says, and by the way, I am the fulfillment of every Old Testament prophecy that you anchor in your prophets, like Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Look to me, I am the fulfillment of what they said. To talk about Jesus is to invite controversy. Jesus had ethics about sexuality, holiness and marriage, servanthood, money. 
generosity. He also had relationships with tax collectors, prostitutes, the disease that you're supposed to stay away from, and sinners. He was known as a friend of sinners. That brought controversy. He was angry at the religious leaders on how they practiced their faith and belief system. They said, we got to follow all the laws. He says, look to me, I am the fulfillment of all the laws. It's about a relationship. To talk about Jesus is to invite controversy. Jesus offered grace, not by earning anything, not by doing certain things on your way to God, but receiving the free gift of the work he did on the cross. He brought controversy. The miracles and signs and wonders that Jesus was performing to usher in God's kingdom here on earth brought controversy. They wanted to deem it the work of the devil in him. And it brought controversy and the demands of a whole life devotion to him. Not a half-life. Everything you have, he's demanding. To talk about Jesus is to invite controversy. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. I'm going to ask you a question those watching online. Which Jesus am I following? Am I following that Jesus? Or am I following some Jesus I've made up in my mind that's about health, wealth, and prosperity? Not about that Jesus. Today, what Jesus are you following? And lean in. Remember, if we're going to talk about Jesus, it's to invite controversy. And here's the challenge of our age. This is a cultural moment that we as Christians are living into. And it's this. The challenge of our age is to strip Jesus of the controversy and have a relationship with Jesus on our own terms. Jesus, I don't like what you said about ABCD. I'm going to actually not live into that controversy, but I'm going to strip that away. And Jesus, I want you on my terms and what I deem as final authority, what I believe actually should be theology in this world today. I love what Pastor Tim Keller says about this quote is from him. He passed away recently, but he was the pastor of the first Presbyterian or first Redeemer Presbyterian Church downtown New York City. He says this, if your God never disagrees with you, you might be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. What Jesus are you following? We cannot have Jesus on our own terms. Welcome to a cultural moment right now that in American Christianity, this is what we have to wrestle with. And for a lot of us, we follow Jesus because we only want him as savior, but we fire him as Lord and master. I want you on my terms. Get me out of hell. I'm good. But I'm not gonna bow my knee to what you have to say. Christian just I've been stumbling over words. I'll just look at the bottom. It says Christian something. The word I can't say right now. This is a quote. It says, it is no overstatement to claim that the invasion of the teachings of Jesus 
constitutes a crisis of Christian identity and raises the question of who exactly is functioning as Lord of the church. To talk about Jesus is to invite controversy. It should rattle us to know the calling and the high standard that Jesus has. It should change us on the inside out. And the quote goes on, it says, when Jesus's way of discipleship is thinned down, marginalized or avoided, then churches and Christians lose their antibodies against secular ideologies that manipulate Christians into serving some other Lord. Discipleship's that idea of learning the way of Jesus and becoming more like Jesus through the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. What Jesus are you following? Thomas Jefferson had a particular Bible. I I have a minor in history at a Christian college, took American history, took colonial American history, which was so boring. (laughs) I had to do a report. Please don't do this. But I did at my college. I I had to do a report on on some of the early colonial leaders, and I did mine on John uh, Adams. What's his name? John Adams. I was right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was right. Duh. And uh, so I went in, this is my Christian college. I went in and I had a, I'm not promoting this. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say he's not promoting this. Okay, I want to make sure. I had a John Adams like beer bottle. And I walked in, I said, let's talk about John Adams. But I said, not this John Adams. Said it inside, and I said, I want to talk about the John Adams that actually did a lot of things with Jesus that you think he, all of our founding fathers are Christians. See, our, fun, our founding fathers were deists, not Christians. Just because they believed in a God, everything rests on what you do with Jesus. And some of you right now are like, wait, what? Yeah, engage with history, it's beautiful. One of our founding fathers that we would think is Thomas Jefferson. Ah, maybe he was a Christian just because he had a Bible. Nope. Thomas Jefferson had this Bible. There's the picture of it in the museum, the bottom right. You can see things are cut out of it. What Thomas Jefferson did is he cut out the miracles of Jesus in his Bible. And you know why he cut it out? He didn't think that could happen. So he made a Bible that he liked and wanted to believe in. And that's why he quoted the statement, it's diamonds in a dunghill. I'm looking through a dunghill to find the diamonds and I'll cut out everything I don't like. (laughs) Don't we do the same today? Don't we look and say, I don't like that Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. I'm going to cut those out. Because in fact, I want to hate my enemy. I want to actually tear down my enemy. Oh, by the way, God, I'm going to tell you actually how to do judgment on my enemy. Right? God, if you just do ABC, that would equate to perfect judgment. Just, you didn't seek my advice, I think, God, maybe? Nope. Are you going to accept the whole authority of the word of God? I really truly believe that this series, we're going to put those verses back in the Bible. We're going to look at certain things that our cultural moment is shaping our society and sometimes Christians. And we're going to look at the word of God. 
And we may disagree together, but we're going to disagree with love and have healthy conflict. Amen? We must know this. We must allow the word of God and Jesus to confront us, to characterize us, to undermine our complacency and overthrow our patterns of thought and behavior. We must allow the word of God and Jesus to do all that. The question I have is then, if, if not, are you worshiping an idealized version of yourself? You have to wrestle with this. Because friends, we are called, family, we are called to be conformed into the image of Jesus. Into the image of who? Jesus. Paul's writing to the churches in the region of Galatia, which is southeastern present-day Turkey. And in that region are all these churches, and he's writing this letter, and we have the letter Galatians. Galatians 4.19 says this, as Paul's writing to those Christians, my children, I am again suffering labor pains until Christ is what, friends? Formed in you. Now, I love Paul's like hyperbole here because he's a dude. He has no idea what labor pains are, right? Amen, ladies? We think we know, we don't know, right? We get the fever and we're like, oh, I'm in labor now, my pain. It's just me. <laughs> we don't know. But he says, listen, I'm laboring for you guys until Christ is formed in you. My question is, what Christ is being formed in us? This Christ is not the middle class American Jesus who cares about health and prosperity. It is the controversial son of God leaving a movement of his kingdom. That's Jesus. That's the Christ, the Messiah that should be formed inside of us. And at the heart of it, if that's going to happen, the American church... The church, we must be at the center of discipleship. We must have a movement of discipleship to train and equip people to become a true disciple of Jesus Christ. For Jesus' second to last command he gives his disciple is to go. Therefore, go into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we have to, it's go and make disciples, right? Go and make disciples, We've gotten away from that. And it's got to come back within the church. The church must be the equipping training center. This is why we need each other. This is why. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says this, in the same way the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ and make them into little Christs. If they're not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, all of it are a waste of time. It's just a waste of time. What are we actually doing then? And the danger today, remember this message is setting up all the other messages to come. The danger today is the world is better at discipling than the church is at discipling. That's the danger today. This is why one of the reasons why here at the church we created the Radiant Institute. It's a nine month long deep, intense discipleship program. The year one is called the School of Discipleship. For a whole semester, we're learning and helping people understand the entire biblical narrative. How can you explain what's going on from cover to cover? 
if you believe this is the word of God. Semester two, we talk about doctrine and theology to understand how you and I and what you and I actually believe in should shape us. And then we talk about the practices and how do we actually be transformed by Jesus? What are the spiritual disciplines or practices we put in place to get more of Jesus? And here's how culture works today. There's a societal norm or idea that's presented to you and I. And that norm and that idea disciples us. And here's how it disciples us. It's through the influence of its power in minute detail. Small, little changes. Think about the enemy of our soul. He is the father of all lies. He's the father of lies. His mode of operation since the beginning of the world is deception. Nothing changes. He's a one-trick pony with limited power in the name of Jesus Christ. And we got to realize this. It's, it's, it's little, little minute detail changes that disciple us. And here's the two responses out of discipling us. If we are outside of that, we are punished today in culture. If we are in line with it, we are accepted and rewarded. And it is all under the name of political correctness right now. And political correctness is resist this, the summation of our societal norm and ideal, and you will be disciplined on social media. Welcome to cancel culture. Educationally, let's go to HR because you can't talk Jesus. And that's how it weaves its way in. In the medium is stories and media and institutions of their practices and values. Sometimes it's a slow fade, but you and I right now, our cultural moment is it's at a fast pace of acceleration. It's moving quicker and quicker and quicker. And to you and I, this should not shock us. It should not shock us. Here's why. The world is broken and sinful. That's why it shouldn't shock us. But it breaks the heart of Jesus because those are his children. It breaks the heart of Jesus because we're his children. It breaks his heart because sometimes as Christians, we're not very kind to these things. We may have conviction, which is wonderful, but we don't have compassion. And we have to rise up and understand, friends, the cultural moment we are in is the social normalization of anti-Jesus. We are in what every biblical scholar and theologian and every missiologist, which is the study of the mission of God, will tell us is that America, you are in post-Christendom. They're changing their word from post-Christian to post-Christendom. Post-Christian means Christianity's dead, but it's not. Post-Christendom means its influence is waning. Weaning, waning? You know what I mean. <laughs> okay. Ed Stetzer writes this article and he says this, American culture is becoming less conducive to Christian values. It's a reality. The question is, what will the church do? That's what we're entering into. And if we're gonna battle it, the church must be at the center of discipleship. This is why we need each other. This is why it's so important, so important to make church a priority in your life to make sitting with your brother and sister in Christ, who knows what conversation you're going to have in the lobby? 
Who knows what you're going to have in the parking lot for you? Who knows? But we need to come together, friends, get fueled up, because we go out into the world. To follow Jesus, to be formed into Jesus's image, to be counterformed out of the image of the world means you will have to embrace controversy. Half of us are excited because half of us are like, yeah, I will hit controversy head on. Bring it. The other half is like, I hate controversy. I hate conflict. I don't like this. If we're to be the light of the world, salt and light, we have to step out and embrace it. If we're called to be Jesus followers, disciples of Jesus, that means we're formed by him. We look to his ways. He did not hide from the world. He says, I'm not of this world, but I'm definitely in it. And we got to figure out how to bring the gospel message that changes lives to people. There is a way, warning, there is a way to be controversial that does not match the way of Jesus. There is. You know what that is called? Being a jerk. (laughs) That's what that's called. Now, I can go there many times. I'm like, you dummy, that's way wrong. Why are you even thinking about like that? Like the world is awful. No, 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 stop right there. This is why you and I need to spend time with Jesus. This is why you can ask my wife. She'll tell you, I'm a jerk if I don't spend time with Jesus. This is why I have to wake up every morning and spend an hour with Jesus in the word and with worship songs and my earbuds and praying. I have to before I engage another human being. Because I will not be Jesus to them. I promise you, my flesh takes me this way. And I say, no, spirit, take over. I got to go this way. As we enter into the series, may we do it the way of Jesus. I'm calling us as we enter into this to be biblically oriented, Christ-centered controversy in the spirit of Jesus. Now that should have had like, 250 amens after that, right? That's what I'm calling us to step into, is to be biblically oriented, Christ-centered controversy in the spirit of Jesus. So I'm looking at the clock and I'm fully aware it is 12. I'm just jumping into my message now, (laughs) okay? So some of you are like, I know some are like, go. Thank you, Frank. Others of us like, no, dude, I'm, I'm ready to go now. I'm good. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. 15 minutes, I'm done. 15 minutes, I'm done. I knew I was going to go long today. I'm going to ask you 15 minutes. Listen, the Detroit Lions already played. They won. We're not rushing to any NFL game. All right? We're not rushing. <laughs> okay? <laughs> um, so... Can we hang in there for 15 minutes? Okay, and then we are closing with a song, but I'm, I'm, I know lunch and like my belly's hurting too. I'm hungry, okay? I wanna give us three things for you and I to do as we enter into this thing. Really quick, okay? Really quick. Turn your neighbor and say, buckle in again. <laughs> Let's turn in. Here's the first one. Here's the first one. Give me 15 minutes, okay? Just know for the rest of the series, I'm gonna be your professor. I'm gonna definitely be your professor in this series. And we're gonna grow and learn together. We're going to grow and learn together, together, right? Here's the first one. If we're going to embrace the controversy, you and I must embrace self-denial. You and I must embrace self-denial. 
Remember what we looked at at our word that we looked at uh, earlier, Jesus's words in Mark 8. It says, calling the crowd along with his disciples, he, Jesus, said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, this is a great call to discipleship. You want to follow after me, deny yourself, take up the cross, follow me. Deny yourself, pick up the instrument of death, die to your ways. Now follow after me. And here's the issue. If you're discipled by the world, the world says it's all about self-fulfillment. But if you and I are going to be discipled by the word, it's all about self-denial. And here's our moment we're in. Christians have a foot in the world and a foot in Jesus. And they're straddling both of these. But I wanted it about me. But I, I do love you, Jesus, every once in a while. But I want my way. Jesus, will you bless my way? At least I'm praying to you. And then all of a sudden, here's what happens. The boat is going in two different directions. And all of a sudden, if the church is going to talk about some tough topics, you got to choose. Yeah, it's too tough. I'm going self-fulfillment. And then you drop into the waters and you'll drown. Jesus is calling us not in the worldly way of self-fulfillment, but to die to that stuff, to follow after him. It is about the name right there. And his name is Jesus. He said, follow after me. Do you want to? Then deny yourself, pick up the cross and follow after me. I love what William Barclay says, says about this in his book, The Gospel of Mark his commentary. He says this, if we follow Jesus Christ, we must say no to ourselves and yes to Christ. We must say not to our own natural love of ease and comfort. Stop there. How many of you love ease and comfort? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I said the nine o'clock service, I despise camping. Like, do not put me in a tent. Put me in a hotel room that's swanky, that has AC and a good shower to go to, right? Don't put me, I don't like, I don't, I want my comfort and ease. Trust me, there are times that I look in scripture and go, man, I like comfort and ease more than what you're calling to me, Jesus. And it's a wrestle. He says, we must say no to every course of actions based on self-seeking and self-will. We must say no to the instincts and the desires which prompt us to touch and taste and handle forbidden things. For back to the, church in Galatians or the churches in that region, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but it's who? It's Christ who lives in me. It's not me. I want to show you a picture real quick as I'm going through this as fast as I can for you because I know you're getting anxious. This is a bowl of what? Yeah, honestly, we all know that's healthy, but it's disgusting, right? I mean, some of you, you health freaks are, I mean, God bless you, keep eating it. You can have my portion, all right? Growing up, there's only one way I could eat broccoli. Cheese whiz, right? Like I poured that hot plastic on my, on my broccoli to eat it. It's the only way I could do it. But my mom knew. The broccoli was healthy for me. You know broccoli's healthy for you, don't you? But you know what we actually desire? Well, yeah, but we desire that, actually. <laughs> and this is like the wrong pictures to use when we're all hungry for lunch. Like, I get that. <laughs> we all desire that. 
here's what happens in church world. We know we need the broccoli message, but we want the cake message. We want the feel good thing. And when it starts to hurt inside or makes me feel like, man, I don't know, what's that? Is Pastor Ryan yelling at me? No, he just loves you and is really passionate about the word of God. You're like, ah, then I'm out because I want my cake. I want my cake. And here's what happens if you and I don't engage in healthy disagreement, don't engage with things of the word of God. As long as we just stop, if, as long as we just eat the cake, we will develop spiritually immature, emotionally unhealthy Christians. Emotionally unhealthy. This is why we run away when we disagree. This is why you can't pick up the phone and say, hey, can I, can I just grab coffee? Because I'm wrestling with some things and I don't want to run away. Would you help me? Pastor Sky Satani says this. He says, scripture and tradition tell us that formation into the likeness of Christ, also known as spiritual maturity, is not achieved by always getting what we want. I, I, I want what I want. <laughs> C.S. Lewis says this, the second line You'll, you'll get the point. I had to have this in for the point, but I don't support the second line. You'll get it here in just a moment. It says this, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. That's the line I say I don't like. You get the point of what he's saying, right? Like, hang in there, hang in there. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. C.S. Lewis, the author of Chronicles of Narnia and several other wonderful books, he knew the cost of following Jesus. As Jesus says in Luke, for which of you is willing to build a tower? It doesn't sit down first and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Calculate the cost is self-denial when you follow Jesus Christ. Coming to Jesus is not only to believe some facts, but to yield a life. It's about self. Here's the second one of my three points. Number two, you and I are going to have to embrace eternal moral values. We have to have the long view. This life, don't live for the moment, live for eternity. We have to change our perspective on this. We have to. Go back to Mark 8, our main verse. Jesus says this, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world? Yet you lose your life. In John 6, Jesus has this tough discussion and he's gonna raise the bar of the standard and he's talking about communion, which eventually become communion, but he's saying, you gotta eat my flesh and drink my blood. And people are like, What? Jesus, just speak, just stay to the healing and the teaching ministry you got. Just don't teach that. That seems weird. This is why Christians are known as cannibal, cannibal, cannibals, cannibalism in the first century world. And here's this, watch this, what happens. Jesus says this, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood dies in me and I in him. He's saying, feed off of me. I'm the living water. I'm the living word. Don't go to the world for things. And that's what he's saying. And then a little further on, this is the result of Jesus' statement. 
It says when many of his disciples, his disciples. See, when we hear disciples, we just think of the 12. He had many disciples. The 12 were just his close, special 12. He said when many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Like, you and I would probably say that too in the moment. And then... After this, many of his, many of his what? Not non-believers, his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. See, we have to have eternal moral values that are higher than the world's because that's what Jesus challenges us. It's not that people wrestle with perhaps the knowledge of Jesus, it's that Jesus challenges our lives that people wrestle with. And the challenge is an act of surrender and acceptance of him as the final authority, not in a culture today that says, I'm the authority. I am the owner of my own truth. And he also challenges us by the demands of a moral standard of the highest level. And then Jesus said to the 12, after some went away because Jesus elevated a teaching, he says, do you guys want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have it. It's you. We must stand on eternal moral values rather than conceding to what's happening in our cultural moment. To be discipled by the world says it's the cultural moment values and they're constantly changing like that or stand on the eternal moral values of the word of God. And the issue is sometimes when you have a higher standard than the world, you're deemed as dangerous and as a threat and as a bigot. It is controversial to practice a higher moral standard than the standard of the world. Worship team, make your way up. Here's my last. Here's my last. If you and I are going to engage into the controversy of Jesus, we must have public identification with Jesus. Look what Jesus says at the end of our main scripture. He says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will also be ashamed of him when he comes into the glory of his father with the holy angels. Where you work, live, and play, do people know you as a disciple of Jesus? Do they know you as a follower of Jesus or would they be blown away to realize you actually read the Bible? If we are going to engage in cultural moments together lovingly, we have to make sure there's a public identification. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I love what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, one of his most famous sermons. He says this, you are blessed when they insult you and persecute you. Not if, when they're going to. And when they falsely say every kind of evil against you, why? Because of me. It's because of me. 
Jesus is in the upper room and he's praying with the disciples and he says, if the world hates you, know that it's hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Everyone we encounter, we're either of the world or of Christ. Everyone we encounter. You're going to be discipled by the world. It's going to scream, me, 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 me. Be you. Don't ever be you as a Christian because you has a bent towards sin. But discipled by the word of God, it points us to the person of Jesus Christ. And that's who we want to become. The call for Christians is to have courage, to be different and accept that risk. For there must be a difference between men and women of the world and men and women of the word. We're called to be different. And here's where I want to land. Jesus had both conviction and compassion. He had conviction and compassion. It says he was full of grace and truth. And as we engage in this controversial Jesus series together, I'm calling us to be people who fiercely embrace conviction and compassion as we engage the world. Ryan, what does that look like? This simple statement. I can't compromise on what Jesus taught, but I will love you so well And so profoundly, you're going to want what Jesus taught. May we live out that. St. Francis, there's a quote, I don't know who it's by. says this, when St. Francis returned to the gospel, he returned with such ferocity that the whole world shook. Radiant Life. May we return to the gospel that the city of Sturgis shakes and the surrounding communities in this county shake because we are people that hold conviction and compassion and say, yes, I have this conviction, but I will love you and you'll want to fall in love with this Jesus. To talk about Jesus is to invite controversy. Welcome part one of Controversial Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from Radiant Life Church. To get to know us better, check out theradiantlife.church. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.